Hi, thanks for joining us today. With us, we have John Baglino from Optessa. Welcome, John. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Uh, John, can you do me a favor and explain a little bit about kind of your background and and how you fit and how Optessa fits as well? Like, I want to kind of get the story. Yeah, no, absolutely no. Thanks again for for having me. So, John Baglino, current role, Director of Sales and Marketing for Optessa um, in my 17th year of marketing, uh, which is insane to think about um as as i say it um i started my career uh actually doing uh consumer research uh so doing like little uh, consumer research and and calling people to interview them about different products and having them give us a little feedback uh so almost like a little like panel discussions and focus group marketing and from there i went into finance uh, and worked uh for a a small bank uh out of long island new york and then progressed my career, started working in software sales uh, for a leading HR provider, then did a little quick bump into uh, hardware, uh, which was a complete departure to everything I've been uh, working on, and then landed back at Optessa uh, doing uh, software sales again, and have been here for going on three and a half years. Um, it's been absolutely amazing to be part of the team in this industry um you know dealing with supply chain issues um so i joined up tessa right before the pandemic started and then having to do everything uh while working remotely um and also being a new employee was uh challenging but we made it and now we're here today so uh yeah that's really what um where i am now and yeah looking forward to doing more with the company and continuing to help us grow uh, that's a great, like, it's almost as if we scripted this segue. That's a great segue to the next question, John. And I think uh, the question I want to ask here is about um, who is the kind of target market for Optessa? What are, what does that look like in terms of demographic? What does it look like in terms of, you know, uh, market cap, that kind of stuff? Yeah. So right now, or not right now, but Optessa, when we started, uh, we really targeted the enterprise manufacturers, uh, so global manufacturers, and really cut cut our teeth in automotive. So we've had global auto OEMs that have been our clients from the very beginning back in 2001. Um, we still have that client today, and we continue to grow with them and also add on new logos. So the, the platform is applicable to many industries, uh, but we're strongest in discrete manufacturing and have started uh, landing new logos in uh, batch or process manufacturing. And really at the core of it, we look for manufacturers that have the three Vs. So if you are producing something that is that has value, that is volume, and most importantly is variety, because we wanna make sure that the software and the platform is able to give you your solution no matter the complexity. So it's not for the paperclip manufacturer. It's more for the manufacturer that has a high amount of variability. Like, for example, like I mentioned, automotive, you know, different cars and parts and different things going in and out of the vehicles, things like that. So that's really what we look for. So we're looking to support manufacturers, um, really any size that have at least two of the Vs. So value, uh, volume, variety are the three Vs. So, yeah, we're open to support any manufacturer in, in that realm. So. So how, um, I, I can't imagine, you know, somebody's wandering around with like a, you know, speech bubble above their head saying, I need exactly what you have to offer. How are you getting in front of these folks? It sounds like you're talking about a hyper-specific 
uh, not only market segment, but, um, uh, you know, role in an organization. Um, and, and that must make your job as a, as a marketing director much, much more difficult. So kind of walk us through your thinking process on how you're approaching the market and how you're getting in front of those folks. Yeah, so the, the, the best thing about the industry that we're in right now is also the worst. So with supply chain issues and disruptions happening and changing seemingly daily, we're really facing and targeting operations leaders that are experiencing pain. And what we like to say is we really don't care about the pain you're experiencing. Just help us understand your problem and let us know your data inputs or your inputs to have us help you, right? So we're targeting operations leaders that really are trying to handle supply chain disruptions and also dealing with their operations in Excel or spreadsheets or 10 spreadsheets or 100 spreadsheets, things like that. So. The targeting is really around telling our stories and really around keeping our finger on the pulse of what's happening in the world, because there's so many different peaks and valleys and dips and changes that we have to make sure that we remain really top of mind and really understand what's happening in the industry. So if there are changes, for example, the shift of the auto OEM going from internal combustion engines to EVs, and that's a huge push right now. Uh, and then other things like digital transformation. That's something that everyone always talks about, everyone always hears about, but no one really knows what that really means. So what we do is we really target manufacturers going through a digital transformation journey, and they could be at a, any number of steps within that transformation journey. So we support you, whether you're looking to go from pen and paper to now digitizing. We're also, if you're currently digital and want to mature your your um your digital, I guess you say tools. So if you're going from random sheets or or uh, shared drives or Excel, and you want to go to say like an ERP or WMS, or you're looking to mature, we're there for you as well. And then we're also there for those that are fully full blown into digital transformation, have an ERP, have different systems, have things integrated, have things connected, and they're looking to get that optimal kind of look of everything and saying, we have all the data, we just don't know what we're looking at and we don't know which, which to handle first. So we really are targeting by keeping what's going on in the industry's top of mind. And we're also addressing the pain points as a result of those topics that are in the, in the industry as well. And we're doing it across different social media platforms. We're doing it by reaching out to our customers to understand what's next, you know, not only from a three month or a six month, or what's like your next like 18 to 24 months plans looking like. And then we're looking at that as using it as messaging to then go to our prospects and other customers and say, here's what we're seeing. Here's what we're hearing. Are we on the right track? Can we help you with this as well? Help us understand what your next three and six months look like. And then let's look at your next 18 to 24. And let's see if we can find some common ground and see how we can support and fit. Gotcha. So is there a place that your target market is sort of congregating? Do they hang out together? I mean, it sounds like I said, this is like a, uh, a kind of a tough slice in the market, like a, to find all these folks. I can't imagine if you're ever going to find them all in one spot. But is there um, uh, specific places you're targeting or frequenting? Social media is is a pretty big description. 
Um, and for the folks that are looking, so so the reason I asked the question, let's go into that real quick, is because the folks that are listening to the show here that are trying to figure out, you know, their own marketing sort of problems and challenges um, are often going to be faced with like a, I have no idea where my guys are, you know, where am I going to find my peeps? And so I'm asking you quite clearly for your business, where are you going to find your peeps? Yeah, and that's, it's a loaded question, but it's a, it's a fun one. It's been, so I'm with Uptessa going on three and a half years, and it's been three and a half years of trial and error. You you have to try new things. You have to try different channels, try different media, try everything you can to land that sweet spot. So for example, right now, my prospects aren't on, say, TikTok. However, they are on YouTube and on LinkedIn. So, and that's just by me not only speaking to the customers and also the prospects, but also just using the data to guide me to say, if we are utilizing content or publishing content on different channels, where are our peaks, where are our valleys? And it goes to the point of, you don't have to be everywhere to everyone, because then you're nothing to no one. Be where you need to be, figure it out, and double, sometimes triple down on those efforts. Another example I'll give is, it's very seldom, that our prospects are searching us on insert search engine here. It's pretty much a waste of money to target with ads and things like that because the operations leaders don't look on the search engines for results and, and for uh, vendors like, like us. They talk to those in their networks. They research heavily on the different social platforms and also on YouTube just to kind of understand what's happening there. And they also really leverage trade shows as well or industry events. So what we've done is we've gone and done a multi-prong effort where we do double and triple down on those social media platforms. But then we talk to our customers and prospects to understand where they're going to be from an event standpoint. And we join them as well, right? So that could be going in person. That could be a sponsorship. That could be some kind of networking event and things like that. And make sure we reach out to that associate and say, we want to get involved. And here's why. Because you are targeting our customers and our customers are going to be there. And we can provide value to not only our customers, but others like our customers in your association. So it's really, it takes a long time, which I think a lot of people in marketing understand, but those outside of marketing don't really understand. So you have to come up with a plan and run your test over certain periods of time, right? And these conclusions that I just listed, I didn't all of a sudden wake up one day and say, I'm not going to focus on search engine optimization or SEM or paid ads. I'm using the data as my North Star to say, here's why we're there or why we're not there. And if we are there, here's what we need to do to make sure that we maximize what we're getting out of it. And once we have that plan in place, it's everything that drives what you do from a marketing and sales standpoint. Gotcha. So how do you decide what makes the cut? I mean, I know like the experimentation side, I think a lot of folks under uh, uh, may understand that, you know, a, any approach to business is going to be some level of testing experimentation. But um, uh, how do you know when to cut uh, from that test? Uh, like, oh, yeah, well, we tried on Reddit and it just we gave it three months and nothing or how do you know that your approach is needs to be iterated as opposed to that channel needs to be abandoned? 
Yeah, it's a matter of set expectations of what you're hoping to achieve with your tests. So if you're expecting MQLs or or demos as a result of a campaign, like have that be a realistic expectation. Don't set too lofty of goals there. So if you're just starting a new channel, like it's really unrealistic to say you're going to get 5, 10, 15 in the first month of launching on that channel. You need at least 90 days to even decide if this is even, even worth it. And a lot of marketers in the industry and others that I speak to abandon before they get to that 90-day mark. And I say, you don't have enough data to support anything at that point. So we use at least a 90, sometimes even longer kind of test and say, here's what we're going to do. Here's the content we're going to use to support it. Here's what internal, external factors could be in play. But we need to give it at least 90 days to give us an idea of what's happening here. And over those tests, we do different things. So for example, uh, we try audio only, audio and video. We try short form text, long form text. We try you know, different types of things across different channels or on those channels to see what's really resonating. And then look back at the data and say, okay, on this channel, so YouTube, it's not lengthy videos, it's shorts. Or it's these little 15, 30 second kind of segments that are really driving the engagement. Then when you flip over to other social channels, it's we need to put short form or short text and then drive into the website and then control that experience to make sure that what they see on the social platform and then what they're brought to on the site match. Because that's the last thing you want to do is to have that mismatch because then you're like, well, I, I promoted an ebook and then I brought them to the site and, and I wanted a demo and no one wanted the demo and everyone's yelling at me that they wanted the ebook. So you have to be consistent with your messaging there. So lay it out. It's a lot of work. I think that's the other line thing, Brian, is there is a lot of work and it takes time. And if you can set those parameters and set those expectations, you're doing your job and you're going to get the right data to support you moving forward, right? Because if you just on the whim say, oh, we're just going to pull the plug on that channel because you know what? I didn't like what happened there. That, that's really not helping anybody. It's we're not going to utilize that channel because we ran a 120 day test here's the expectations, here's the cost, and here's the return. I think we need to either move away from it and maybe reallocate for the next four, five, six months to a different channel. Here's the test we're going to run there. If it goes well, then you would just flip it and say, here's what we did. Here's the expectations. We're far exceeding. Here's where I'm going to ask you for more money or more budget, or here's what we're going to do to double down on the efforts to, to capitalize on what we found. So that um, that that sort of testing uh you know testing experimentation or, or uh, uh model uh trial and error um becomes uh kind of central to the process how many tests do you guys conduct on an annual basis for your marketing approach just on average so we can kind of help some of the listeners set a baseline for what that might look like in a you know an organization like yours yeah so at minimum we're running quarterly tests um but we've experimented running um tests every every month and having things kind of run uh in tandem or in conjunction like, with, with each other yeah concurrent kind of testing here because you can't just say okay for the next three months all we're going to focus on is social because then you let everything else kind of fade so we're testing stuff on social we're testing some things on the website we're doing stuff on pay-per-click things like that but again it's okay to run the concurrent test as long as you set your expectations and you make sure that you are consistent with what you're 
uh, promoting and also what your messaging is to your prospects and customers there. So bare minimum, I've done four tests in a year, but we've also done places where we've run up to monthly tests or multiple tests in a given quarter or a given month. So the 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 testing and and the um, and all of that that you've done, um, I guess the natural and and you talked about a loaded question earlier. The real loaded question is um, how are you tracking all of that effort into ROI, right? So that's the only the the only test that the C suite cares about. Um, how are you able to pull through some of the you know brand building and the kind of customer training and education that you're going to be doing? Tons of TNEs in this episode. Um, all of that. How are you tracking all of that effort? Uh, in terms of uh, the return on investment or return on investment capital? Yeah, so the the easiest answer is we have a wonderful CRM. Uh, so we are using HubSpot internally, mm. but we're tracking everything at a granular level to make sure we can report back on the ROI without getting too into the weeds of just, I, I've seen overanalyzing your data and really looking at things from like 15 different angles. It's money in, money out and return so it's very simple so if we spend twenty thousand dollars on a campaign here's the expectations of how many mqls we're going to get how many sqls we're going to get and how much we're going to get as far as further down the pipeline so then we can easily calculate things and we don't get into the details of like multi-touch attribution all those kind of things it's guys we, we're on this channel it's a social channel and here's what we're going to run. Here's the campaign. Here's the go, here's the goal post. Here's the parameters. Go, right? And it's a six-month engagement. Here's the expectations. We'll tweak and massage along the way, but that's really it. We're not going to really stress over the attribution side of things. It's going to be, here's $20,000. Here's what we expected to get at the end of six months. We can pivot. We can change as needed, but that's really what it is. Everything lives in the CRM. So that there's no real fighting and there's no real qualms about it. It's here's when it launched. Here's what we're doing. Here's all the assets. Here's the returns. And everyone's aligned to it. And we, as a as a business, we report back on on a weekly basis um, around how the campaigns are going because I can't do it myself. So I have my team that helps. Um, I have my extended team that helps from a platform demo perspective and things like that. So if I say we're going to do this, over the next six months, and you can expect, you know, six demos, like one a month, say, my team now knows, okay, at least once a month, John's going to be coming to me to ask for a demo with a billion dollar more company, or okay. we can expect at least one demo a month coming from that channel or that test, let's be prepared for it. And the give back is I'll make sure that I don't ask them the next day <laughs> for a demo and give them enough time to kind of prepare. Right. Um, and I'm speaking that from experience, but at the same time, you know, you, you have to be able to realistically, realistically set the expectations, right. And get to the point where you can look at it from a level of detail without completely exhausting everything and analysis paralysis. It's you spent X, you cut out Y yes or no, that we go forward with it or do we do it again? Like just simplify it. So, so out of curiosity, and I think this, I got like now a dozen questions, but we'll get we'll we'll, we'll try with two. Um, first is is kind of an academic one, I guess. What is your typical um, uh, customer acquisition cycle time look like? How long does it take from maybe initial contact through to close deal for you? 
Ideal state, six months. Current state, it's at least 12 to 18. Just because they're so much reliant on the customer side and everyone that we're talking to is in this firefighting mode. So it's very hard for the person in charge of the operation to dedicate the time needed to implement new a new platform or new software. So you're in a, it, you're in a complex organizational sale. It's, it's never it's it's not going to be easy. three weeks, right? It's going to no. right. And if it is, you're avoiding that client like the plague. Oh yeah, because that's <laughs> completely unrealistic from from their standpoint. And usually, the next question is. Do you have the data mm-hmm. to support this? And they, it's no, it's like, well, we can't do it in a month. Like, yeah, it just yeah. can't happen. So that's really what it is. So ideally, if everything all according to plan, it's six months, six months. And that's realistic, right? So if I'm looking at the calendar right now, I need prospects now. And then at, at yeah, to make your Utopian numbers, State, it would be December, yeah. to get stuff for December. Anything past it, it's 2024, right? Oh, it's May, and I'm already talking 2024, but it's realistic. And I think that's something as well is, to your question, you have to understand your cycle, the cycle times, because, and that also should impact how you spend money on the marketing standpoint, because if you're doing stuff in, in Q3 and expecting to close by the end of the month with a six-month cycle, never going to happen. Right. So that's the whole piece of it there. So yeah, it's a complex cycle. And I think the last data I was looking at, there's now 18 people involved in an enterprise sales or enterprise SaaS kind of decision. And usually we're talking to like two or three people to start. So we know we're in for the long haul. Yeah. So that's a whole whole process on our end and things like that. Yeah, the whole stakeholder analysis party and all that kind of stuff and how you're going to get to the right decision maker and who's really decision maker versus the fake one. So no, I, I, that I understand. And that's uh, that's a, a much more nuanced conversation. It's going to be specific to every business. Right. Um, I think the 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 natural uh, kind of uh, sort of close to wrap up question here is um, so so that all was sort of new client acquisition. Uh, in terms of you know direct marketing, uh, what are you guys doing in context of uh, referral marketing uh, for the business? I imagine, uh, like any business, you get a fair amount of your clients by referrals. You talked about a little bit earlier about your clients kind of asking each other uh, or prospects asking each other, the people in the business talking to each other at the trade shows and stuff. Um, how are you actively cultivating those referral relationships? Yeah, so the the beauty what up Tesla is when we started, our first five customers all came from referrals and it was everyone wanted to have the platform because it was just working so well. And it was, Oh, this is actually a, not only competitive advantage, but it's just an operational advantage. So we've been, you know, blessed with being able to grow by word of mouth of our customers. Cause we're able to go up over and above. And to answer your question more directly, we hold a conference every year, every fall with our customers where we get everyone together. And we want to make sure everyone has the conversations and everyone understands what's happening, not only from our solution standpoint, but also what's happening with the customers, because everyone's on a digital transformation journey. Everyone wants to know where you are, how you do it, what you're doing, why you're doing and things like that. And at the end of the day, so we have at least one event where we bring all of our customers together. The other piece is that we have dedicated project managers to each of our customers that are constantly talking and educating and explaining what's happening and also 
where we fit elsewhere, right? Because everyone has a network and everyone is connected to other people within different companies. So customer A knows someone at customer B or customer or this person at customer B used to work at this tremendous uh, manufacturer and, and you know, can you get us in there and, and can you articulate our value? So we're we're leveraging that and, you know, our own network or customers to say, where else can we help? Who else do you know that we can help with our platform? Can you make an introduction for us? Will you make an introduction for us? Um, and that's what we've been really focusing on. And it's been a core focus for us this year. Um, it started, uh, I would say two years ago, we started doing that with our uh, user conference when we launched one and we did one last year. And the organic conversation that comes out during these events is just amazing because not only do you you have a captive audience, you have the the people that make the decisions in the event. So you don't have the intern, no offense to the interns, the intern talking to the CMO or the CFO. You have the two CFOs of these global manufacturers talking to each other, sharing notes, understanding things, and it's behind closed doors. So they'll talk to each other openly about things. And then at the end of it, we're the common denominator. So now we understand, hey, what happened in the conversation? What are you guys talking about? What's your roadmap and things like that? So then we can kind of at least open the door and have those conversations. So it's a huge focus for us. And we know we can grow using the referrals and using our customers to help us into other uh, future customers. That's awesome. All right, John, we're getting real close to wrapping it up here. And uh, I guess the last uh, two questions uh, first, who should reach out to you and how should they get a hold of you uh, is probably step one. And then I'll get to step two in a second. So the easiest thing is any operations leader or manufacturer, no, again, no matter your size, find me on my website, uh, go to uptesla.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, either way, I'll be responding to you. So whether you send me a DM or you submit a form on the website, that's the easiest way to get engaged with me. If you're using Excel or manual processes to handle your operations, there's a better way. Please contact me. I'm really open and really want to help you. And uh, in your uh, journey to become uh, the marketing guru that you are, what are the three biggest things you picked up along the way? Three things. So the, the number one thing that immediately jumps out is networking. You absolutely have to build your network. Um, you absolutely have to leverage those around you. You have to ask those questions of people around you of, put it this way, if anyone gives you the opportunity to look at their network and ask for introductions or allows you to get introduced to someone in their network, take advantage of that. Take them and say, okay, here's three people. I looked at your network. I want you to introduce me. Or do you feel that it'd be valuable for me to be introduced to these three people? So networking is number one. Number two, empathy. Lead with empathy. And because at the end of the day, people buy from people and you have to understand that. And you have to make sure you connect with them on that level. And the third one is adaptability. You have to be adaptable, especially in marketing, um, but especially in enterprise sales. There's so much going on, you know, being adaptable, you have to understand what's happening in the organizations, you have to assume everything is just in flux, you have to assume that there's so many things that are gonna be changing. Um, conversation to conversation, it's been changing. I've had conversations in my history where the person was the stakeholder, then the person was leaving the company, like within like two weeks, and I was like, what is happening? So you really need to 
grow your network and network. Network like hell. You have to. You never. The world is such a small place once you start looking at the networks of those around you. Empathy, lead with empathy, and be adaptable. Those are my three. That's awesome. And I think um, I, I can resonate very clearly with that, uh, the network and adaptability kind of together in that um, you never know. Today's customer might be tomorrow's boss, right? You, uh, oh, yes. Or, or or the other way around, right? You might yeah. uh, you might be hiring uh, your former boss or what, if, what have you to solve these problems. And I've seen it all the time. So, um, so yeah, definitely a uh, gold star for that one. Uh, awesome. <laughs> John, I want to thank you so much for your time and being on the show today. Um, and uh, please uh, keep us in mind as you uh, as you grow in advance. And if you have additional stuff you want to share, uh, circle back with us. Sounds great, Brian. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F.com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, we will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do? Uh, what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks. Thanks.